Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church Online. It is so good to be worshiping with you today. Uh, my name is Brandon. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I love that you've decided to click in, tune in, you know, get your social media uh, out or your YouTube on the TV, wherever you are. It's awesome that you're watching and you're with us this weekend. Um, you ever, you ever whisper? <laughs> like, what, like, you know, Knowing when to whisper and when not to whisper is like, it's weird. Whispering is weird to me, you know? I don't know if it's weird to you. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend uh, in high school. He had such an incredibly deep voice ever since his freshman year. Like uh, he couldn't whisper. Uh, and anytime he would whisper, it was just rude because uh, this guy's voice, when, when he whispered, he would still bellow. Hey, Brandon. Like what, the, like, the teacher's like, the sound waves are bursting in her ears and, and he just always got yelled at. So, you know, like, I mean, there are times when, when whispering is rude, uh, you know, whispering, it sometimes requires you to get un uncomfortably close so that you could talk to somebody who wants to be that close to somebody else's ear, right? It's a, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of rude. Sometimes uh, it, it's kind of, you know, awkward as you've got to get uncomfortably close. I'll tell you this, uh, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I don't think that there's much you can say in a whisper that doesn't sound like exponentially more creepy than when you're just talking to somebody. Uh, so if I said to you, hey man, I love your hair. And I was like, I love your hair. It's just so much weirder, right? Like, especially from a bald guy, I shouldn't be admiring anybody's hair. Uh, have you ever whispered anything when it was kind of uh, an unnecessary thing that you whispered and it turns out to be an inappropriate place where you're whispering. So like, you know, you find yourself whispering to a friend something and they don't hear you and they're like, what? And then you whisper it again and they're like, what? And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, this funeral home smells like fresh linens. And then you realize you've ruined a funeral because you're now screaming something unnecessary. What is it with whispering? What are we trying to accomplish when we whisper? Like the only time it's really appropriate to whisper at anybody is when you're in a room trying to talk to somebody else when somebody else is sleeping or when you're in a library. And even in the library, my wife gives me this look like she does not want to be the center of attention. She doesn't want to cause problems. And if I'm whispering too loud, she feels like I have violated her. So whispering is pretty much off the table uh, for us almost all of the time. And by the way, you know, some people, when they're whispering in movies, I just want them to stop. I don't want to hear spoilers. I don't want them to ruin or miss any dialogue. Uh, you know, when people are whispering in class, I just want them to stop the interruption. I want to pay attention to the teacher. And people who whisper at church, yes, I can hear you whisper. I can see you whisper. Do you not, do you think I can't see you? Like I'm, I'm really high up here. I'm in the balcony. I can see you leaning. I can hear you talking. Like, why, why are we whispering? You know, whispering, it's a, it's a bit silly at times. You know, we, we whisper secrets to each other. Maybe we're whispering during school. Maybe we're whispering sweet nothings to people we love. But there are places in scripture where we see God whispering, which is kind of profound, actually. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see the prophet Isaiah. He just defeated the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And the queen, Queen Jezebel, threatened Elijah's life. Like she's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do to you what happened to all of my prophets. And so he freaked out. Elijah, he freaked out and he fled to the wilderness where he became incredibly discouraged. And he actually uh, asked God to take his life. You know, Elijah... Uh, 
he wanted to have this encounter with the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. So he's, he's now out in the wilderness. He's, he's standing on a mountaintop waiting, seeking the Lord. And scripture says that the Lord came and passed by him, but didn't reveal himself. But then all of a sudden, uh, this strong wind tore into the mountains. It was just this raging, broken rocks. I mean, you can imagine the storm and scripture says the Lord was not in the wind. And then right after the wind, scripture says there was this earthquake, this erupting earthquake. And scripture says he wasn't in the earthquake. And then 1 Kings 19, 12 says, after the earthquake was there, a fire came. A fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. I think it's interesting that God didn't abruptly just drop into Elijah and just scream, I'm here. He, uh, he whispered. And when people whisper, don't you almost have more of their attention? Because it's when the whispers are happening that you're leaning in and you're more intently listening. You know, I love this from, uh, from the King James Version. It actually says, God came to him in a still, small voice. And, and what I love about this is that doesn't diminish any of God's power, that he chose to come in a still, small voice. That's power under control. You know, God might use a storm to grab somebody's attention, but often, he comes and he shares calmly and confidently so that you and I are leaning in with so much attention, just ready to listen. But there's other whispers too in scripture. You know, Psalm 136, the psalmist writes, sin whispers. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. And this wicked, these wicked people, they, there, uh, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Sin often masks itself in a way that seems like maybe it's God. Getting our attention, wanting us to follow, sucking us in. There's a huge difference between the still small voice of God and the way that sin whispers to the wicked. God is steady while sin is shifty. You know, we're going to avoid so much pain in life if we could just discern the difference between the whispers of God and the, the way that sin whispers to the wicked. Why don't you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. I mean, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. We're nearing the end, just a few more weeks. Chapter 28, Solomon is showing us a clear picture of those who have lost their way. Uh, those who are following God's way and those who have lost their way and also kind of everything in between. And uh, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to, we've got like, this is like a three-part sermon and we're going to do it all today. Uh, the first part, we're just going to talk about people who have lost their way. You know, in chapter 28, Solomon says he's got, you know, a couple dozen verses about people who have lost their way, but their themes line up that we've got. We've got four very specific things that, that we can say about the wicked. Easy identifiers. And I just want to say this before we get into it. Here's a great reminder. Proverbs is a book of principles, not a book of promises. So everything that we share here about wicked people doesn't mean that you're going to see each and every one of these things in every evil and wicked person. Anybody who's not like lost their way, you're not going to see all of these things, but these things are true of wicked people. 
of evil, of people who have lost their way. These are principles, not promises. So let's check out these characteristics. Look at Proverbs chapter 28, one. We just kick it off. He says the wicked, he's already into it. He says the wicked flee uh, when nobody is pursuing them. How weird is that, right? Have you ever done that? But the righteous, they're bold as lions. Like who flees when nobody is pursuing them? You know who does that? The paranoid, people who are paranoid. People who have lost their way, uh, they become fearful and suspicious of others. That's what Solomon is saying about wicked people. They're fearful, they're suspicious, they have a guilty conscience, they, they fear judgment, they become suspicious of other people's motives, probably because they assume everybody acts the way that they act. I'll tell you, uh, somebody in our house, uh, somebody in our family got a speeding ticket this week, and I am not going to mention their name, but I'll tell you this. We had a lot of talks because there's a lot of young drivers in my house. We talked about safety. We talked about the speed. We talked about the cost of the ticket. We talked about rising insurance prices. And here's what I know. Out of all of the conversations, here's what I know. Uh, there was no guilt. There was, there was no guilt. There was no remorse that, that the speed limit was being broken. No thought that this might be a problem, that even though it's breaking the law, hey, everybody does it, right? There was this unreasonable amount of confidence before the ticket was given because, you know, uh, I was just keeping up with traffic, right? Have you heard that? Have you thought of that? Hey, everybody else is doing it is not a good defense, okay? But when those red and blue lights powered on, and the sirens started screaming, my stomach dropped. I mean, the random person in my house's stomach dropped. It's awful. It, it doesn't feel good. Immediately, regret and shame, fear of judgment sank in in a nauseating way. And uh, I mean, obviously things could be way worse when you're speeding and you're out of control. There's a lot of dangers out there. This is probably just a small fine, but it still doesn't feel good. I promise you the rest of my four hour drive home, I was, I was constantly looking over my shoulder. Uh, through those next four hours, I gotta tell you this, nobody was pursuing me, but I, I didn't really feel bold. I really didn't feel brave unless I was going the exact speed limit. I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I was constantly paranoid. Is there another unmarked police car? Is there a marked police car? Is there a radar somewhere? Is there a traffic cam that's gonna snap my picture and mail it to my house? Looking over your shoulder. And by the way, can I just say this? I'm not like making some big confession that I've lost my way. You know, I wouldn't categorize myself in this evil category, but I will tell you this, I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to wander just like you. And people who are wandering or, or people who have lost their way, they're not only fearful and suspicious, they're also blind to justice. People who have lost their way or looking for a way are often blind to justice. And I'll tell you this, when you think about that uh, uh, you know, speeding ticket scenario, I, I, I didn't really think I was going that fast. I certainly didn't think I deserved it because everybody else around me was going the same speed I was going. Why did I deserve it? If I was going to get a ticket, why doesn't everybody get a ticket? That's right. I wanted to take everybody down with me. I wanted them all to go down with me. I wanted him to pull all 90 people who are around me off to the side of the road, but he didn't do that. 
And then I was hoping, I was praying that when he pulled up my license plate, that it just said, pastor, give this guy a break. <laughs> that didn't happen either. I got a ticket. I got, I got a notification from the state of Minnesota. So I'm going to go around Minnesota from now on, whenever I'm going anywhere up. Look at Proverbs 25. The evil, they just don't understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand everything. You know, there are people in this world who are blind to what's right. There is no reasoning with them because they're always right. You know, have you ever, have you ever wandered in the darkness? You know what it's like to just not be able to see? You can't see anything. And you know what? At first, it, maybe it's kind of a game. It's a little exhilarating. You're in a dark room and, you know, you can't see and you're trying to make your way. Maybe it's just, you know, you woke up in the middle of the night and you had to go to the bathroom. If you do what I do, what you do is you kind of go, okay, I've got the map in my head of what my room looks like. I think I can get around the bed and over onto the wall. I think I can make it to the dimmer. Everything will be fine. I'll just keep my eyes closed. I'll make my way there. And that way, not only that, I, if I keep my eyes closed and I keep walking, I might be able to get right back to sleep right away. It's like a good idea on paper. I, ha I have a mental map. I know my room, but, but then I forget that maybe I left my shoes out in the middle of my room. And then my kids, for some reason, one of their headphones, their headphones are right there at the edge of my bed. And why wouldn't they be in my room? Of course they're in my room. That just, that just makes sense. And, and then uh, inevitably I'll stub my toe on the, the, like this corner of these metal steel legs under the bed. And side note, I don't know if any of you do this, but my grandmother used to take like empty toilet paper tubes and then just kind of put them under the bed so when you hit it with your toe, it didn't hurt. Do any of you do that? It seems a little weird, but it works. I'm telling you, it works. And, and just when, when you think like you're, you're past the shoes and you're past the headphones and you, you're right where you know you need to be to get into that bathroom, your bare foot finds that super sharp, tiny glasses screw that you dropped in the carpet like three days ago. Like it's inevitable, it's gonna happen. When we wander around in the darkness, we're bound to stumble. When you're wandering, you're bound to stumble. And nobody can understand the way if they've lost their way. Here's number three about the wicked. People who have lost their way lead others astray. It just happens. Some people are very convincing leaders. They're very good at leading other people. They can get people to do whatever they want or move people in the direction that they want them to go. Uh, and especially those who are wandering are kind of looking for somebody to follow. Look at what Solomon says in verse 10. He says, the one who leads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit what is good. You know, some of us might have this idea that evil is like the worst of all sins, right? Like, like murder and, and, like, and like, uh, like what, more murder. Like what's worse than murder, right? That's evil. And of course, of course, murder is evil. But, but here, when Solomon is saying in an evil way, what he's saying is, is much more subtle, than the worst of sins that you might be imagining. He's saying, you know, uh, this is morally worthless. He says it's just generally bad. It, the word evil, it means malicious or, or perverse, which means to take something good and, and to just change it just enough to not be good. You know, the wise thing to do is to stay away from it. Don't play with it. Don't watch it, don't read it, don't consume it. 
Don't be led by it. Don't be lost in it. Like the consequences may seem harsh, but God's correction is always just. It's always good. It's always right. You know, being wise with our relationships, it actually might carry more weight than any of us imagined. You know, there's a huge responsibility on the shoulder of pastors. I mean, scripture talks about that. There's a huge responsibility on, on teachers who are leading kids. We want them to be so good. Huge responsibility on the, on the shoulders of coaches and political leaders and spouses and friends and parents and grandparents and even little brothers and little sisters. Like the way we're leading people is a big deal. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, we want to lead people well. This list could go on and on and on. You might remember from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20, Solomon says, walk with the wise to become wise. You know, we don't want to lead others astray. What we really want to do is we want to be someone who is worth walking with. We want to be worth walking with. We want to lead others well, not lead others astray. And people who are not worth walking with are people who seek power for selfish gain. If you're taking notes, write this down. These, this is not like rocket science. It's all things that we know, but all of these things kind of have this ability to subtly seep into who we are. And when our ambition is driven by selfishness and pride, you know, motives that, that are all about me rather than humble service, we're, we're setting ourselves up to fall. I mean, that's Satan's story. That's his, that's his whole story. He was cast out of heaven because of his hunger for glory and power and control. God says, no, that's that not here. That's not for you. And people who seek power for selfish gain have made an idol out of status and authority. They're, they're looking for a God. They're just worshiping the wrong God. Look at verse 12. When the righteous triumph, there's great rejoicing. But when the wicked come to power, the people hide. Nobody, nobody wants to be led by, by people who are only in it for themselves. Look at this next verse. The wicked rule over the helpless people. Their roar is like a lion. They're, they're like a charging bear. The, you know, they're leading with intimidation. They're oppressing with their words and their power. They're not caring for the people under them. You know, things might get done. Goals might be met. Quotas might be achieved. But no one really thrives under an atmosphere of intimidation and fear. You know, no, nobody wants to, to live and work under survival mode. That's why, that's why people rejoice when the righteous come into power. You know, this is one of the reasons God asks us to pray for our leaders. We want to pray for people over us who are leading us, those who are in our schools and our governments and, and even our bosses. Like we want good people to be leading us. We want to be led well. And when the right people are leading, like there's great rejoicing. Proverbs 28 gives us like these four elements of people who have lost their way. But it's also filled with descriptions of people who, uh, who have found the way. You know, Solomon's been talking about two ways all through this book. He, you know, there's a, there's a wicked way and a wise way. There's two paths for us to walk on. Jesus actually says there's a narrow road and a wide road. And Jesus says the wide road is absolutely filled with people who have lost their way. But the narrow road is, is, uh, is less traveled, but it's by people who are following 
the way. Look at what Jesus says here. I love it. Jesus calls it out in himself. Uh, he told this crowd, he said, uh, I'm the way. You want to know how to get into heaven? There's one way. Jesus says, I'm the way. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So there's people who have lost their way and there's people who are following the way. Here's, here's four things that, that we notice when we read Proverbs 28 about people who are following the way, people who are righteous. Uh, people who are following the way, they stand firm. They stand firm. God's standard, by the way, is absolute perfection. And because of my sin and because of your sin, we just don't measure up. We fall short every single time. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you can stand firm unshakable, rooted in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We can stand firm. You know, we no longer need to, to try to be good enough. We don't need to look over our shoulder. Jesus paid it all. Now that doesn't mean we compromise. It doesn't mean we accept Jesus and live however we want. We pick up our cross every day. We follow Jesus every day. But that following Jesus every day isn't us trying to be good enough to get into heaven. It's us following the one who gets us into heaven. Look at, uh, look at Proverbs 28, verse 1 again. The wicked flee and no one is pursuing them, but the righteous, they stand bold as a lion. Can you think about a lion for a minute? Like a giant, like not a, not a cub, like a lion, like a big king of the jungle. Like, I don't know a lion who has ever been worried about anything except for maybe his next meal. And then he's not cowering, crying. He's out chasing something, boldly, aggressively getting something to eat. They're not looking over their shoulder. They're not wondering who's coming. Do you know why? Because there's no guilt in that lion's life. Like there's no fear. It just goes after it. You know, isn't it amazing how confident and bold we can be when we're faithfully following Jesus? Like the, the wicked run scared, uh, always looking over their shoulder, but the righteous, we get to stand firm like a lion. Here's point two if you're writing them down. People who follow the way, uh, they seek wisdom, they seek knowledge, they seek understanding. We're chasing after it. It's not dropped in our laps. We got to go get it. We got to go after it. We got to pursue it. Solomon, Solomon's been talking about these things throughout the entire book of Proverbs. And here it is again. There's three different verses that we're going to read uh, in Proverbs chapter 28. Uh, when the land is in rebellion, it has many rulers, but with a discerning and knowledgeable person, it endures. We want to chase wisdom. We want to chase understanding. Discernment is important uh, in our seeking of wisdom. The evil, they don't understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand everything. People following the way, they pursue wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Look at this. The one who trusts in himself is a fool, but the one who walks in wisdom will be safe. I love this. It's almost like seeing Jesus in the text. Because what we know about Jesus, what we see in Scripture, what is said in Scripture, is that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And we want to walk in wisdom. We want to chase Jesus. We want to pursue him. If you want to, if you want, want to be somebody who, who has wisdom, if you want to seek wisdom and knowledge and understanding, you got to pursue that by pursuing God through prayer and, and time in his word and listening to biblical teaching and spending time with people who love Jesus, like people in your life group, people at church. Like continue to seek and go and chase, get after it. And here's the deal, God's wisdom, it works. You know, it has the power to radically transform every part of your life. 
It's tethered to your purpose and your character and your priorities and your relationships, like you name it. But it only comes from one place. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding only come from that relationship with God. It's from His voice, from His speaking. As we spend time in His Word, spend time praying and listening for His whispers. I'm not, talk, not talking about like audible like words. I'm talking like, what does the text say? When you pray, what is He affirming and confirming? Here's number three. People who follow the way, they live with steady integrity. Integrity is so important. You know, the, the life of integrity means being the same person privately and publicly. Like there's no secrets. You're not pretending to be somebody in public. It's, it's when your words, they, they match your actions. You do the right things even when nobody's watching. And there's, there's like no shady stuff going on behind the scenes. That's integrity. Look at verse 10. The one who leads the upright into an evil way falls into his own pit, but the blameless, they inherit what is good. Like when you are a man and a woman of integrity, you don't need to look over your shoulder. You haven't done anything. You're, you're blameless. Look at verse 18. The one who lives with integrity will be helped. Like help is coming. People want to help people who are blameless, who have integrity. God says, I am helping those who have integrity. But the one who distorts the right and wrong, they're going to suddenly fall. Now, that doesn't mean that people with integrity, you know, don't have it tough, but your life's not falling apart. God's holding you together. When, when, when you're a man or a woman of integrity, like you earn trust and influence from the people around you. You know, people see that in you. They're drawn to you. You know, cutting corners and compromising your values, distorting things that are right into things that are wrong or a version of right, which really isn't right. It's gonna destroy more than your integrity. Like it kills your character. It rips apart relationships. Uh, it shatters trust. It damages your ability to tell anybody about Jesus. Like why would they believe anything you say about Jesus if they can't believe some things about you? God's favor rests on those who do what's right, even when it costs them. And it will. Here's number four. People who follow the way discover blessing and prosperity. Now, this word has been abused in churches all over the place. I, I wanna clarify something about, about blessing and prosperity because uh, the truth is blessing is real. Prosperity is a promise and it's connected to how you live. It's connected to your walk with God, your relationship with Jesus. Blessing is birthed out of, out of uh, so much of our growing in God's direction. When you give your life to Jesus, I'll tell you this, the blessing is immediate, it's instant. And as you faithfully follow Jesus, the number of blessings grows. I promise you that, I'm gonna show you that here in a minute. And a lifetime of walking with Jesus, you can't compare it to any other life. Look at this, Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful person will have many blessings. The longer you and I are walking with God, it's just the more opportunity he can drop things in your lap. Like it's just a fact. But the one uh, in a hurry to get rich, they're not gonna go unpunished. In other words, what are you chasing? Are you chasing after the good things of God or are you chasing after your own, your own kingdom, your own world? Look at this next verse. Verse 25 says, a greedy person stirs up conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. Now, when we hear the word 
prosper and prosperity, probably the first thing that came to your mind, come on, say it out loud. Yeah, money. I'm guessing you said money. I would have thought money too. You know, and guess what? God might bless you financially. He might. But that's not the promise of prosperity. That's not the promise of blessing. In fact, prosperity and blessing is going to look different in each of our lives. You know, it may, it may just be having a job. What, I mean, what a blessing. How about, how about this? How about a job that you like? Like, if you have a job that you don't like, it doesn't mean God doesn't like you. It just means, I guess, he didn't choose to bless you in that area. But maybe he's chosen to bless you by putting food on your table. You, you're able to eat and, and uh, maybe, you know, you have, you have strength in your faith. Maybe it's great friendships. Maybe it's not friends. Maybe it's like one single strong friendship. Maybe God's blessed you that way. Maybe prosperity uh, is, is coming at you in the area of influence. You just have an abundance of influence or maybe, maybe protection, God's protection. Maybe you have a deeper wisdom, deeper patience. Maybe you're able to be incredibly generous and God is giving to you because of how generous you are to others. You know, some people want millions of dollars when we think about prosperity. And other people, when you ask them about, what would you want God to bless you with? They would just say peace. Some people are looking for millions. Some people are just looking for peace. God might bring peace to your life. Maybe prosperity uh, looks like freedom from past wounds and hurts and dependency. Some of you are abundantly prosperous in the area of your health. You have a level of physical wellness that's unexplainable. And if you're not doing well and you're watching this from a hospital, that doesn't mean that you're experiencing God's judgment. God has an abundance of good gifts to give. You know, blessing and prosperity, they may come just in unexpected ways. You know, you and I, we get to rest assured in the fact that he's got, he's got you, he's got me. You know, and, and he promises to provide what you need, even if it doesn't look like the way you expected it to. Look at verse 14 in Proverbs 20. I love this. It brings so much together. Happy is the one who is always reverent. That word reverent should ring a bell as we've gone through Proverbs. But, but one who hardens his heart falls into trouble. You know, having an attitude of reverence and awe and respect for God, um, like that's a good healthy fear of the Lord. Like trembling before God signifies humbly recognizing his power and his glory and his authority. And having a hard heart, that's like the complete opposite. Uh, by the way, which is a thing that happens over time. We don't just like experience one thing one time. Like our heart hardens over time. Uh, and, and when our heart grows hard, it leads to us losing our way. But look at this. Let me just divide these real quick. And uh, there's so much to notice uh, in here. On, and I want you to take this to heart because uh, this kind of reflects, this single verse feels a little bit alike, uh, just fits in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, where Jesus is giving the Beatitudes. And he says, uh, happy are those who are blessed are those who. That's what right here, happy, it really means more than happy. Happy means blessed. Like if you really want to be blessed, you're going to be one who is always reverent, always reverent. In other words, you're always respectful of God. You're always like in a position and a posture of humility and fearing the Lord. You just love Jesus and you're just pursuing him. But there's also people who 
have hardened their hearts. They're going to fall into trouble. And when I look at this verse and I, when I look at the way it's set up, if you and I, if we're not guarding our heart like uh, Solomon calls us to, what we kind of do is we kind of wander. We kind of wander in here. And I mean, obviously, we all want to end up here. We all want to be happy and we want to, we want to you know, be reverent. But sometimes we wander, right? We wander in the mess and, and sometimes people drift towards what is not good. And over time, they find themselves with hard hearts. But if we're guarding our heart, we're able to pursue what is good, what is holy, what, what God has for us. When we're not guarding our heart, we're in danger of what, what I would call erosion. I mean, I don't call it that. We do, like the world does. Like, you know what erosion is, right? It's when something just continually pecks away, maybe wind or maybe water, and over time, not one time, but over time, it just wears away. It slowly happens. And, and what was mostly unseen is now quite obvious. You know, I have that happening in my yard, like the side of my yard. Like uh, uh, my, my yard is kind of washing away just little by little. And I didn't really notice it. I've been in this house for 10 years and, and everything is, still seems fine for the most part. But I'm noticing that the fence is getting a little weird. And then all of the roots, I can see the roots of this giant tree. And it doesn't seem like the tree has really grown that much. And I don't know if the roots are coming up, but it seems to me like the, the dirt is washing away because the grass isn't really growing there because of all the shade. And my lawnmower is just chopping, you know, as I'm, as I'm bumping over all of those roots. And, and, you know, the fence is getting a little, well, I've had to make a couple of adjustments. That's erosion. I didn't notice it. It didn't, it didn't happen one time. It happened over time and it happened so slowly. It happened so gradually because if you're not guarding, if you're not watching, if you're not waiting, that those little pecks, they just kind of, they kind of erode. Your favorite restaurant, it doesn't, it doesn't shut down overnight. Like there's a process of many, 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 many weeks of not meeting sales needs or not having the right amount of employees, a weight loss journey. It's not won or lost by a single meal. It's, it's won or lost by faithfulness or unfaithfulness to the gym and to a diet, right? Banks don't go bankrupt overnight. It's a process of mismanaging people and money and investments. Friendships don't tend to end in a single moment. Marriages don't fail in a single evening. Like all of these things happen over time. It takes time to get there. That's what happens with a hard heart. It doesn't just happen. It's us playing with sin. It's us like leaning into what we want when we're wandering. Same is true there for our hearts. Like our hearts say, they don't grow hard overnight. We're prone to wander. We've got to guard our hearts. You know, uh, Paul says it. He says it so good in Romans chapter 9, or Romans chapter 7, verse 19. He says, for I do not do the good that I want to do but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. He says there's a wrestling inside. The Apostle Paul, like one of the greatest leaders in the history of the church says, you know what? I'm prone to wander. I am not perfect on this side of eternity. It's a struggle. Uh, why do we do that? We just, we're imperfect. We're still sinners. Even with the Savior, we still sin. We got to guard our hearts every day. We guard our hearts 
from the whispers of sin. Remember this verse from the beginning of our time. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all in their blind conceit. They cannot see how the wicked they really are, how wicked they really are. Keep going. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse. They lie. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from their evil. Like, can I just tell you for a second, as somebody who would like to say, I spend so much time with Jesus, I would never, like, I know that I'm broken. And I can't sit, you know, in my ivory tower and talk about them, they. You know, what about they? They're broken. Their decisions are poor. What if, what if this passage were really talking about you and me? What if I was the them? What if sin was whispering to me deep within my heart? What if I had no fear of God? What, what, if, what if it was in my blind conceit that I couldn't see how wicked I really am? Everything that I say, crooked and deceitful, I refuse, I lie, my actions, I make no attempt to turn from evil. It's a harsh reality. And I hope that's not true for any of us, but because we're prone to wander, because we're sinners daily in need of our Savior, we've got to guard our heart. And we need to be alert to the warning signs and the dangerous lines in life because we are going to drift. And, and if we're not looking for the warning signs and we're walking right up to those dangerous lines, we're going to fail and our heart's going to grow hard. Some of us say, I can handle it. But you and I, we don't defeat sin. We don't beat sin. It's Jesus who does that. Every day, an intentional conscious decision to follow Jesus. Even though I know scripture says that, uh, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm tempted, I will not be tempted beyond what I can bear. What I know is that Jesus doesn't take away the temptation. He just gives me the tools like wisdom and understanding and knowledge so that I can guard my heart. So as we travel through Proverbs 28, here's... Here's four questions that I think we need to ask as we're wandering. He gives us a picture of the righteous and the wicked, but what about the people in the middle who are just kind of drifting? He gives us four questions. Um, here's the first one. Warning signs and dangerous lines require us to ask some questions. Question number one, am I following God's guidance? It's a pretty, pretty clear question. When you're like, should I do this or should I not? Like maybe the better question isn't, should I do it, should I not? Maybe it's, what does God say about this? Because if, if you know what God says about this, it's pretty easy to, to answer that question. Look at verse 9 from Proverbs 28. Anyone who turns his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayers are detestable. Uh, Solomon's probably talking about the Torah here, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like the Torah. Every Jewish boy would have memorized that. And the same is true for you and I. Not that we need to memorize it, but that we need to keep our nose in God's word. We need to know God's law. We need to know uh, our relationship with Jesus. Read the gospels, our relationship with others. Read the New Testament, get in to the Bible. We need it. Look at verse 26. The one who trusts himself is a fool, but the one who walks in wisdom will be safe. Jesus is the wisdom of God. God reveals righteousness and sanctification and redemption in Jesus. Without Jesus, we're unchanged. We erode, we drift toward destruction. Without Jesus, we lack purpose, we lack direction. Is God guiding? Look, here's question number two. Are my main influences pointing me to Jesus? 
Like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about friends, friendship, and what Solomon had to say that leads us to having good friends. And those who are at the center of our lives are the greatest influence in our lives. We got to be careful with those who are right next to us. Look, look at verse 7. Uh, a discerning son keeps the law, but a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. Like the point of this verse isn't even the glutton. Like we know gluttony's not good, but are you hanging out with gluttons? You know, are you hanging out with people who are going to give you a bad reputation? A companion is not always a person, right? I mean, a companion could be a person. Uh, people call their pets companions. I'll tell you this. People spend so much time scrolling on social media. I bet you've given more focused attention to your social media feeds than you have a real human in the past two days. Like maybe not, but probably maybe, maybe social media could be in there as, as your main influence. Maybe one of your top five friends because you spend so much time being influenced by it. Here's the third question. Am I hiding it? Am I denying it? Or am I burdened by it? You know, when we're following Jesus, we've got to know that he paid it all. Like he knows all of our sin and we need to put the sin on the table. But because of our brokenness, we're going to continue to sin. And the best response for us to do is to repent, to turn and not return. But instead of, of turning from sin, sometimes we hide it. You know, maybe we deny it. And when we don't confess it, we're burdened by it. Look at verses 13 and 24. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Confession and repentance are part of like being free and following Jesus. The one who robs his father and mother and says, that's no sin, is a companion of a person who destroys. What? Like some people just flat out deny it. That's not a sin. That's fine. Those are problems. We crush sin through confession. There's healing through confession. Scripture talks about us confessing, confessing to God by the way he already knows, but we need to have that conversation with him. But healing comes also from confessing to brothers and sisters in Christ and praying for one another. Like not just everybody, don't put it out on social media, all the garbage you're doing, but a trusted mentor, a close friend. Have a conversation, somebody who can ask you hard questions that you can like honestly respond to so they can give you wisdom and encouragement. And here's the fourth question. Uh, where are the cracks in my foundation? Do you have cracks in your foundation? Have you been ignoring them? You know, the cracks that are in our foundation, those are the compromises. Maybe those are, those are some of the uh, things that are damaging my integrity. What needs attention or repair cannot be ignored. Because those cracks in your foundation, the foundation of your life, the foundation of your faith, those cracks are going to lead to demolition and destruction if you don't pay attention to them. Look at verse 18. The one who lives with integrity will be helped, but the one who distorts right and wrong will suddenly fall. We want no distortion in our foundation. We want a firm foundation. You know, in the garden where sin began, Satan lied to Eve, but it wasn't like a crazy made up story. Satan just distorted the truth just a little bit. They, the stories kind of sounded the same and Satan just said, but what about this? We don't want to distort the truth and we don't want distorted truth to become a crack in our foundation, which leads us astray. The cracks in, in our foundation, sometimes they just seem fine. Sometimes they seem like things we can fix on our own, or maybe we just put a rug over it and we forget about it. 
When we are dealing with warning signs and these dangerous lines, we wanna be asking the right questions. We wanna find the right answers. We wanna steer clear because you and I were, were prone to wander. And it's not, it's not good enough just to know Jesus. You and I, we have to pick up our cross every day and follow him. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for your word, your encouragement. Thanks for uh, even correction. God, it's never, it's never what we want. It doesn't feel good, but it always leads to better things, God. Continue to grow us and sharpen us. And, and if we have not followed your way, if we're following our own way, Lord, help us see that we don't have to stay that way. That Jesus is waiting for everyone who is not yet following him with open arms. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Love you.